Hello, hi, I'm Fred Jill, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I speak to people working at the highest level of tennis, from players to coaches to trainers and more. Today I chat to former world number 61, Fred Gill. We chat about all things tennis and what he's up to now, from funding to his favourite match on tour, playing Federer, and to become the world's 35 singles champ a few months back. Before we get started, I have a few things to say. One our Sabre is back in stock. That's our sweet spot training tool. And if you haven't seen the video of Stan Wawrinka hitting with it, I advise you to get over to functionaltennis.com forward slash Sabre as soon as this episode is out to check how Sweetie hits the ball with the Sabre. Two, we're in the process of securing a new podcast partner for 2023. It's one of my all-time favorite tennis brands and I can't wait to share it with you. And three, the episodes will not be weekly for the next few months. With the busy Christmas period ahead of me at functionaltennis.com, some planned tennis trips and a possible content restructuring of the podcast, I'll ease off on the episodes for the coming months. This is our 168th episode. And if you're new to the show, I recommend you to look back through the episodes where you'll find some classics with current and former pro players, coaches and parents of junior superstars, as well as a lot more. Okay, here's our chat with Fred. Hi, Fred. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? Good. You, Fabio. It's everything is good with you. Great. Yeah, all good here. Tell me, where are you right now? Are you in Lisbon? I'm in Lisbon, yeah. I'm in Colares, actually, inside a really nice winery where we have a tennis court. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful here. Drinking wine yeah. and playing tennis. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And so, what are you, obviously, we, we can talk a bit about your career. We can talk about what you're up to now. But let's start. What are you up to right now? Yeah, so Fabio, right now I'm starting my tennis business and my project inside uh, uh, Lisboa, Cascais. Yeah, I just uh, uh, actually signed a, a nice contract with Rackets Pro, that is like the biggest group that they manage tennis clubs and paddle clubs. And they, they needed a, a, a name for the tennis, they needed a, an ambassador for all the projects, with the methodology, with with this social luxury project that I have. So actually we became the biggest tennis and paddle group in Portugal. And I'm, I'm like doing that with them, you know, it's like, it's nice. What do you mean by the biggest tennis and paddle group in Portugal? By coaches, by courts? Coaches, courts, clients. It's a group that they have 16,000 clients. So actually it's, it's a big group and they have like, also like fitness boutique gyms that they are really nice gyms. So yeah, it's a, it's a group that they have 20 years on the market managing clubs and uh, they have construction company around. So all that is with rackets, they are, let's say, the biggest group that they manage clubs and, and sports with, with rackets, you know. And they took me for the tennis, inside the tennis. I'm, 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 I'm leading now the tennis inside this group. So yeah. And you're going to be, let's say, building programs, is it? Yeah, methodology for the academy, for the competition and high-performance tennis academy. As uh, Morataglu and Adal, they are doing in Spain and, and in France. So we're building a, a really professional uh, tennis academy with my our methods, you know. And 
also developing uh, tennis holidays and paddle tourism that we we find that is like a nice project to have a nice business around we have really nice clima in portugal so yeah making some nice partnerships with nice hotels that they have tennis and like developing the business with, with inside the tennis world here that's that's nice. what we're doing and you t- you said Cascais is Cascais then the south of Portugal Cascais is near Lisboa okay. it's like half an hour from Lisboa actually it's a really nice venue with uh, good climate you have mountain you have like sea you have like city so actually Portugal it's really nice for foreign people to to come we have a nice weather we have actually good pricing quality comparing to the center of of Europe so and now is a bit fancy to be in Portugal as well so it's it's full of like foreign people investing here so it's really nice it's growing it's growing a lot well, we have our mutual friend Paddy Cosgrave who's doing yeah. a lot for the economy over there and yes. in Je- and you're playing a bit of tennis with him how good is this tennis i joke with him but uh, put put you on the spot here Actually, it's really nice level that he plays. He's playing really well, and he, he talks as a as a professional, you know. And we talk inside my tennis court where we played. We, I was like, wow, he's like talking with an ATP challenger or ATP tour player, you know. Like, he's super fun, and we have good connection. And now we go to the Web Summit together. That's something that I love to do is to connect the tennis with people that make sense to connect with, you know. And Paddy is... He's a super guy. Like he's really like known here, and it's it's a pleasure, you know. It's a pleasure to be around him and around the the web summit and connect the tennis with it. And it's for me, it's a it's a dream. It's nice. Nice. I I remember something totally different. I remember I did a tennis thing. I did one of the Robinson hotels in the south of Portugal. A friend of mine was working there. He said, "Come on over." So I came over for a week, and there was tennis there, instructions, and yeah, the weather was great for me. It was an amazing week away. And anytime I've gone to Portugal, it's been amazing. Even taking surfing holidays there before, I've gone a week surfing and absolutely love it over there. So you're in a, you're in a great part of the world. Yeah, it's really nice here. Where was the, the place you were in Portugal? It was a Robinson Hotel. I think it's a German group. In the south, north or center? No, it was beside a place called Tavera. Um, Tavera, yeah, it's, it's yeah. south. It's, it's Algarve. Pretty south. And I think I that's where I was surfing. I went beside there as well. We went surfing with my wife and it was just a good week where we went surfing every day. And yeah, I'm not that good, but it was great. Yeah, it was. It's great. It's great. It's great here. So tell me, you're still playing a bit of tennis. You are the over 35s international champion. What's it feel like to be still competing? And obviously, you still enjoy winning. It's also part of, I believe, the blood. You know, my blood is a competitive blood. Like my father and my grandfather, yes, they were athletes. They played professional soccer. So I come from an athlete's family. So I'm I'm complete an athlete, so I, for me to live completely the competition is something unnatural to me. So I never said like I I'm retired because like for me, my career let's say is continuing in in the young seniors level. So I was super happy to become world champion this year in Lisboa on the over 35. Last year I played the final in Croatia, and I also feel that we should like. If you really love tennis, it's something that you can't quit, you know, like it's like for me, it's against me to to quit tennis or to quit competing because it's so nice to compete. I love competing. I'm just not competing anymore at the ATP level, but I'm competing at other level. And it's so nice to compete at this young senior level. So actually, I want to also transmit a bit to the ex-players or a lot of them, they, they just 
not compete anymore. And I think it's not healthy that. So I want to give an example here saying like, let's, let's compete on this league's young seniors and let's make it like social professional, you know, it's super nice. I love it. I love it. You can do business on the side, you can connect, you can network. It's, it's super nice. Yeah, I'm disappointed. The past five years, I was meant to play in that event. And for obviously COVID, new baby, I think it was yeah. something else. There's always been something on when it happened. But yeah, and hopefully next year I get to play it again. But if you're in the draw now, I'm not going to bother, I don't think, because <laughs> there's no hope <laughs> at all. But what's the actual in level? I know the level is it's quite extreme from, you know, some countries are a bit weaker, like Ireland, let's say, are one of the weaker countries. And then you have the stronger country, you guys, the Americans, Canadians. Yeah. How did you find the level? Who did you play in the final? The, the level, actually, I find it still like medium, not like high. There is, from my experience, the last year in Croatia and this year in, in Lisboa, I saw three, four players with like, let's say, a good level that they can win the tournament. The rest, I think, is still like far from our experience as a professionals. Yeah. But I feel and I see that, for example, Clement, ex-top 10, he was here playing the 45. Mark Gikel, he was third in the world, he was here. And then Rui Machado, he was 50-something, he was here, myself. So actually, we saw like five or six guys ex-top 100. So that is really nice to see. But like, it's like getting better, the level, like it's, it's getting better. It's an amateur league, so it's like I think it's nice if you're not a professional and have the opportunity to oh, yeah. play against ex-professionals. So yeah, I think it's fun. No sir. And it's it's that event's broken up into two events, really: the team event and the singles yeah. event. This year, did you play in both events or just one? I was both. We got third on the teams. We lost against Spain in the semifinals, and then I won the individual. Okay, But it's nice, the spirit, you know, I, I think it's super nice, the spirit of the teams. I think it's super nice, the business around that is, you can connect with a lot of people. So uh, I see it really healthy to keep uh, pushing these this, uh, events. Yeah, no, I, I agree. L- look forward to next year. But throwing it back, you come from, Portugal isn't really a tennis country, is it? Like, I'm not sure funding-wise, when you were younger, wouldn't have been great. So... You know, for you to get top 60 in the world, 62, so top 60, yeah, m- must have been quite difficult from a support perspective from your, your government and obviously from your family would have been tough on them. How did you navigate yeah. through it as a young junior? So actually I, I was like, and I still am now, for example, with this big project of the academy, a pioneer, you know, when you are pioneer, it's... Yeah. Of course, it's super nice and is, you feel really special. But at the same time, sometimes you you go against the wave. You know, you go against the the cultural mindset or the cultural uh, beliefs that uh, I remember. You know, like when I was like starting to have this dream of becoming professional and and this belief that I am capable. When you say this to the people, it's like ah, he's he's like special or he's a bit like <laughs> okay, that's. You know, like they make you yeah. feel strange or they make you feel like different. And actually, I am different, but like, and it's not easy when you are surrounded by different mentality to to move forward with your vision or with your beliefs, you know? So I'm kind of used. I don't care anymore. But like at that time, of course, 60, but I also, I always felt I could be like top 20 because I was winning a top 10 guys. So I was like, why I'm not like top 20 or why I'm not like top 30. But now I realize also that 
the support and the mentality sometimes that I was getting on the side was not like as the same as the X, this guy's top 10, top 20, the, the support from the government, as you said, or from the federation. I had almost zero was like my father and my, my mom that they, they did a lot of effort to, to support me. You know, I had no big like companies behind supporting. So it was a really like amateur professional way that we did and we did super well, but I could make it maybe better if I had a bit of, let's say, international and more experiences from the people that were on my side, you know, like also physiotherapists, you know, the methodology. So we did a lot with what we had, you know, but it was my decision also just to say that I wanted to show to the country or to the people that it's possible to achieve the top. And when I say the top is to play the ATP tour level at a regular, not one time, no, a regular ATP player. So I did. It was my dream to to do that. But like working in Portugal, because everybody says it's impossible to achieve that working in Portugal. You have to go to Spain or you have to go to France or you have to go like to other country because nobody did this, this, this here. So I was the first one that really, okay, he did it. He's an ATP guy and he was formed 100% in Portugal. So, but at the same time, I know exactly if I had a different experiences or they teach me more, maybe I could go to top 30 or top 20. Yeah. You know, so that was, was, I was super happy. So looking back now, what would you tell your 18 year old self just out of juniors? You were top 10, were you top 10 junior? I was top 10. I was 10 in the world. Yeah, junior. What would you tell yourself now making that transition from juniors to seniors based on what you know now? For example, I believe that playing the world uh, junior circuit is really important because many players, they think, ah, juniors, it's like, let's go already to the, to the professional. Yeah, we could go to professional, but I think it's really important to become one of the best in the world in your category because you get used to be one of the best. You get used to play the Grand Slams. You get used to play really nice tournaments that in the end, in ATP, that's what you want. That's where you have to get used to be. The only thing is like there is a big difference between I felt like I was playing all the Grand Slams, top 10 in juniors, like all nice conditions, nice tournament. And suddenly at 19, I am in qualifying of futures in Nigeria or in uh, yeah. somewhere that is like we call at that time it was satellites we called the jungle you know it's like a really jungle and suddenly you feel like now is a big step to go from like zero atp points to to top 100 again in the world to play the big tournaments you know so i felt in a way it's really difficult to deal with playing the best tournaments and suddenly let's go back to the qualifyings of the professional leagues it's really difficult but at the same time so what i recommend is to really to play the high top in juniors, but at the same time mix a lot with professional leagues, you know, mix a lot with, with professional events to try to get more points as possible, to go faster as possible. But like, I think it's really important to have a team, a really good team around you with a, a guy that had experience that passed it, with a physiotherapist, with a mental coach, with like a physical coach with like good guys on technique, tactical work, you know, you have to have a really good team. And sometimes one person is not enough, you know. It's it's like a business, isn't it? Yeah. You, you need a, a good team to really, you know, to get to the top. It's tough to do it on your own. I think it's impossible to go to the top alone. It's like, 
it's really hard because like from the technique, from the tactical, from the physical, from the mental skills, from the finance part, from the contracts, from the scheduling, you know, it's already like six, seven areas that you want to be like on top of all. And you need like top professionals around to either to teach you, to guide you, to work that parts with you. So, you know, and obviously then the better you do in juniors it should give you a bit more of an opportunity as well to people to work with you but also people take advantage as well so there's a fine line there yeah and and also like i i I saw that after being top 10 in juniors i got different contracts like international contracts people agents interested in like having me or sponsoring me so it was the the time also that i felt like okay now people want me you know like now it's time like yeah. also to so but at that time that that did not mean a lot of money to invest that means some international contracts with better conditions but not a lot of money to invest but nowadays maybe it's a bit different but like what i also felt was like for example our tennis federation they were really poor and really amateur you know no help the help they gave was from 14 to 17, they offered me a good program that I can practice morning, afternoon, and physical. But then they were not like helping in, in other things else. So yeah, there is these two parts, the financial, but also the team that you have around that makes completely the difference, you know? I, yeah. I agree. We get, there's two, two areas. One, we get a lot of questions. How do I get sponsored? How do I get sponsored? And my answer is, you got to win tournaments. If you're not winning yeah. tournaments, they have to come to you. You don't go to them. So win tournaments and the sponsor will come. And two is, I've heard of some of the contracts these younger players get and they're not they're not great. Like, you know, you think they're going to get loads of money and that they don't. It's still, they might get clothes and a little bit of money and a little bit of bonuses, but yeah. it's definitely, it won't even cover cost of a coach for a year, like what they get. No, so, no, no, no. So no. it does, so just because getting a sponsor will help a tiny, tiny bit, but there's a, a lot more of the, the cake to be filled in still. Yes, yes. And, and in a way, it's not fair at all because like when you most need, you have nothing. And when you, less need that when you are on the top it's where you get all so it's like what it's so unfair suddenly you have already everything and you are winning a lot and it's like why yeah now it feels good but like i needed this like far back ago you know but that's that's business that's where the money is that's where the tvs are like you know like and in a way now i'm i'm building my project and i feel the same i want to sponsor the guys i want to help the guys but like, I need the money to invest on them because like, we don't work for free. We, we cannot give everything for free. So it's not easy. It's not easy to find that balance. But like nowadays, I think the, the big academies, that's what we think is like, we need to find a way to get the money and not charge the good athletes for it because they don't have the money to invest. They don't. They just have the will to, to do it. And we have to provide them the best service somehow to get the money somewhere else. Like it's impossible. That's where we need strong business people who've done really well and they love tennis and that's where we need to extract those guys and help them fund these projects. Yeah, exactly. And we'd like, okay, we invest, but in the future we take this, this or this or like it's, uh, it's I don't know, I don't know any any other option, I don't know. That's the, it's the only option. And looking back at your career, I know there's probably a lot of matches, but is there anyone that you would tell your grandchildren in the future? Like, what's the match you're <laughs> going to tell them about? Maybe against the biggest victory against Monfils in, in Monte Carlo. 
that it was number nine in the world. And it was the day that I did my best result in my career. That was quarterfinals after qualifying in Monte Carlo, 2011. And for me, so special is, it was in 2010 to play the final in Sturil Open that Feather lost in semifinals and I went to the final. So I, I was like, wow, I would love to play against Feather in the final at home. It was oh, the yeah. first time a Portuguese went to the finals, but he lost to Montañez, Spanish in the semis. And then I lost two to Montañez, but I was like winning 3-0 on the third set, serving 4-4-0 after saving match points on the second set. So I was really close to win the first ATP title. And, uh, and then I lost 7-5 on the third. It was like, wow, was super hard to, to, to accept it. But like, it's life, yeah. That's, that's tough and like playing at home in Estrell like was that where you got the most experience from the fans like it was just amazing there was there anywhere else in the world that you had the same vibe no there for sure there and then Davis Cup I, I have good memories of Davis Cup that we played so many ties actually when I won one ATP in Chile in doubles I, I really enjoyed as well I love to play doubles and we won the ATP in, in Viña del Mar in 2012 and i enjoyed a lot like that week as well i enjoyed a lot when i did third round australian open against tsonga like I, 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 yeah for me it was 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 great you know it was good at functional tennis we are all about helping your tennis game get one percent better every day that's why our match and practice journals are a great tool to have in your gear bag the functional tennis match and practice journals help you plan and evaluate your matches and practice sessions it includes goal setting quotes pressure tests and more it's used by players of all ages and levels and it's a great way to get away from your phone and focus in on your game to learn more visit functionaltennis.com did you ever play ireland davis cup uh, I don't think so. Conan Ireland, James McGee. No, no, no. I was a big friend of Peter Clark. Oh, no. Nice. How good How good was Peter Clark? For those who don't know, <laughs> Peter Clark's an Aussie guy, Irish guy, was absolutely really good. I used to did a bit of training with him. So strong. Oh, we were God. in Russia one time in a train for 10 hours to a challenger in Samarkand. I always have this experience with him. We, tra- we, we did this trip together and then we played doubles was super strong, but a bit crazy, but super strong guy. Super yeah. strong. Crazy, yeah. He could lose it. <laughs> <any, could flip. laughs> crazy, but he's a super good player. He was in, living in Portugal, I think, for a while. Years ago now, he developed some app and he was living in Portugal. Uh, so I have no idea where he is now, but... I lost connection yeah. to him. He's, yeah. a good, he's into he's businessman now. I think he's he was successful as far as I know. And uh, he has, I don't think he's back in Ireland, but he's, yeah, he was such a great, he was unbelievable but unfortunately well so strong yeah yes so you had your challenges on tour as well it wasn't all rising up the rankings how tough was that i mean overall on the tour like no just challenges had along the way i think key the key was to maintain the focus and to maintain the persistence of like continuing every day to work hard to improve in all the aspects you know like to develop your game and your your mindset because it's it's really demanding. The guy they play all well. It's like there is no easy matches. It's like every day is a is a different match. It's a different challenge and like it's a different hotel. It's a different club. It's actually we we spend life like adapting to new balls, to new conditions, to new hotels, to new beds, to new courts. You know, to re- recovering from the matches. 
preparing the next one. So it's a life dedicated to that, actually. And your mind should be like 100% there, you know. Do, do you miss traveling or are you happy being based back in Lisbon and keeping the travel local, <laughs> let's say? I am happy to be here now, actually. I miss a bit the, comp- the ambience of competition, but I'm really happy with uh, what I'm doing. And I'm really like, my competition now is, is a different competition. I love what I do. So like, I feel great. Of course, I miss a bit to be on tournaments and to travel, but like it was 25 years doing that. So it actually feels really good to stay home and like, you know, and the end of the day you come home. It's like, it's nice also. And tell me, when you're not playing tennis or working in the business world, what what other hobbies do you have apart from drinking wine? <laughs> no, not much. Actually, I I love what I do, and it's really hard for me not to think about the tennis and about the projects. I spend like hours, hours. I can't stop. I love what I do. So actually, I have a hobby that is a digital hobby a sim racing like i love to do races online in a professional race simulator you know i love that but the rest honestly is to to spend time a bit with family my loved ones and and work i love to work yeah and i saw a picture of you were you racing a gt3 cup car yeah we i was like invited from some brands to i love i love racing yeah i think i'm I love I, I'm, I'm good on that, you know, but like, yeah, I could, I could, I could go for it, but like, you know, it's, 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 it scares me at the same time because it's, it's like, it's your life, you know, but I love it. Yeah. I, I really love to drive fast and to, I, I love it. I, love I, it. I know what it's like to be inside a GT3 cup car. So how do you, from, how do you describe the difference between, let's say playing in the final of an ATP event versus being inside uh, race car the, the the only thing for me that scares me is the death honestly because driving fast and well i think it's i'm not saying it's easy but it's really like i get there i think if i would practice more i would get really good but like what it scares me is the death you know like so no stick to the sim racing yeah 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 tennis it's like I was not gonna die. No. So your <laughs> you body, how is your body actually? Like you know, we speak of obviously Federer. Did you ever play Federer, by the way? Two times. Two thousand eight oh. quarterfinals, Estoril. He was number one in the world, and he won here the ATP. And we played in Bern in in Davis Cup one time in Switzerland. Uh, what's your memories from playing him? Playing him was fun. Was nice. The first time, you know, he was number one, my idol. But actually, I was playing home, center court of Sturil Open. I was so used, very windy, clay court. Actually, it was 4-4 in the first set. And I felt like, wow, it's like playable. It's like, actually, I felt like it's not that difficult. I felt that. But the final result was 6-4, 6-1. And actually, it really like made like a gear up and like start not to mistake, start to play really smart. I got a bit lower on the level. So we... I think he's a true champion, you know, like he, he, he's super well on anticipating. He's super good on, on, on technique. He's like, he plays super fluid. I think he's like a true champion, you know, like he's, for me, he's, I love, I love his game. And personally, we connected, you know, I, I, me and him, we had a few talks, like good talks on locker room. He was like always nice to me, you know, like, because I was like, I was lower, you know, 60 yeah. or 70, you know, he was number one and like from Portugal. 
who is from Portugal. Nobody is from Portugal. Ronaldo, ATP. Ronaldo, Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that at that time, like in tennis, you know. Mm. So and it was super nice always to me, and I, I really loved. It. Yeah, and what happened in Switzerland? In sorry, in Davis Cup. Davis Cup, we played doubles against him and and Warinka. Was like big stadium, like twelve thousand people watching. Was like four sets. Was good match. Uh, me and Leonardo, we were a good team in doubles. Yeah, it was a great match. And who's the biggest forehand you ever played against? Like, absolutely cracked the ball. Like, you were like, how does this guy do it? Yeah. Andreev. I mean, Andreev was, like, cracking the ball, like, so strong. For me, the most talented player that I felt against was David Nalbanyan. Honestly, like, it was the guy that I really said, like, wow, this guy is other level of tennis. Why? He could just do anything, could he? Anything from any angle, any stroke, like he could change the pace like so well. Like the day I played him was my first quarterfinals in in Sturil 2006 and he was number three in the world. I lost 6-2-6-1 and then I realized, wow, this guy is really special. That day I understood why he beat Federer, why he beat the top guys, because he's really good. He plays tennis like in a, I'm not saying a different dimension, but like he's really talented, you know, but he's not that consistent as the other guys. But like when he plays well, I think he plays better than Federer, let's say, you understand? When the level is high, he's really high. Great. My final question, Fred, why is it Fred and not Federico? Because uh, Fred is faster, you know, like I love Fred. Everybody calls me Fred. So and then I changed my name from the, the my name in, in tennis, you know, yeah. from Frederico Gil to Fred Gil. Fred Gil is faster, you know, it's like easier. It's like myself. I'm Fred, you know. You're faster. Yeah, I'm, I'm speeding <laughs> up. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, Fred, thank you very much for jumping on. I look forward to seeing you in the 35s or 40s events in a yes, year or two. So, yeah, to yeah. Portugal anytime, yeah. okay, Fabio? Thank you very and much. Let's collaborate, yeah, with Functional Tennis. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Fred. I'll be back over the coming weeks. And if you have any questions about the podcast, any advice, any players we should get on, or coaches, or anybody in the world of tennis, please reach out to me at our Instagram account over at Functional Tennis. Thanks. Bye.